help other licensed healthcare professionals actually get paid to create that content. Because if you think about a lot of nurses, doctors, therapists, we create educational content on social media all the time. And you're already doing it. Why not work with a brand that can want to propel your brand and also compensate you for what you're already doing? Because more people are turning to social media for their health education. And who better to do it than a healthcare professional? You know, someone who has a license who's credentialed to actually be out there teaching people what they need Ooh, to do. Oh, I got to go. I've been working, told them, please don't hit my phone. I'm in my zone, bro. Just leave me alone. Was on the road, but I swear I'm coming home. Now the drinks on me, I think we need a toast. See, I did it for me. Now my old friends calling, told them nothing's for free. Told me time is money, dog. Swear I paid all my fees. I was starving for this day, now my fan they can't eat. Welcome everybody to another episode of here in the Couple Nurses Podcast with your host Matt and myself, uh, Peter. Just some. Typical formalities. Thank you all for tuning in. Thank you for your time. Make sure you check us out on YouTube. All our videos, are, all our recordings are in video format on there. Uh, you could check us out how we look. You can see our merch that we're wearing. I'm wearing the Be Well shirt here. Matt's got the uh, Live It, Not In It, which are available on uh, wearefrontlinewarriors.com. We also have some merch on a couple nurses.shop as well. Uh, some more merch geared towards nurses. And then uh, We Are Frontline Warriors is more merch geared towards uh mindfulness and the wellness aspect of, of, of life, you could say. Uh, make sure you guys give us a like on, on YouTube. Make sure you guys give us a rating on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and all the platforms. And we also have something coming up called Pronto, uh, P-R-N-T-O. You can go check it out online right now. It should be like a landing page there or two available, uh, prnto.com or prontohealth.com as well for those. Uh, it's a app that we've been working on diligently geared towards all healthcare professionals. We want to innovate, revolutionize healthcare for everybody. We're trying to streamline the process so you can have all your paperwork, you can have all the jobs, some wellness information, some resources, some education information, all on one platform instead of having to scour the web and look up these things all separately. So we're diligently working on that. Hopefully uh, it's going to be launched here sometime shortly if it's not a relaunch when we are airing this. Uh, but what's up, Matt? What's up, what's up? Today we'd like to introduce our guest, Portia Wofford. She is a award-winning nurse turned marketing pro and founder of the PW agency, Nurses Who Write and the Healthcare Influencer Network. This is a jam-packed episode that should be motivating to a lot of nurses that want to bridge the gap between bedside nursing and being an entrepreneur, finding more about freelance writing and just getting ideas of different avenues of sources of income they can collect as a nurse and how empowering it is to be a nurse. So let's get right into it. Hey, Portia, welcome to the show. Can you give us a little background about yourself and your nursing experience? Sure. Um, I'm Portia Wofford. Thank you for having me on the show. Super excited to be here. I've been a nurse since 2010. Um, my nursing experience is very, so I've done everything from long-term care to home health nursing, um, quality assurance. My last nursing job was actually infection control and prevention and staff development coordinator. So um, a lot of my background deals with implementing policies, procedures, creating curriculum for the facilities or organizations that I work with. Why did you uh, choose those, those fields? Uh, is it something that, that draws you to it or just something that you kind of uh, experienced along the road and has decided to, to try it out? 
Um, well, I did long-term care because I went to um, a community college just like 10 minutes up the road from where I was born and raised. And um, when I got out of school, my nurse practitioner, who was my provider at the time, she was telling me that she knew the director of nursing at this facility. They were looking for nurses and she wanted to know how to find a job yet. I told her, no, I hadn't even taken my NCLEX at that point. I told her, no, I haven't even taken my NCLEX yet. I didn't want to sit for a temporary license. And so the DON basically called me in. She said, go ahead and put your application in. As soon as you pass your NCLEX, call me and let me know that you passed and we can get you on. So I got that job. I always liked long-term care. Um, I was raised by a single father with the help of my um, grandparents. So I always had to take care of elderly people. And so I always liked long-term care. So I thought long-term care was just like little 90-year-old women that have dementia and that's all you do. But when I got there, it's like completely different. So if you're a nurse and you're listening and you think that all long-term care nurses do with pass pills to demented patients, that is like that's not true. That's a misconception. You do everything from your own admissions, your own discharges, transcribing the orders, talking to the family, doing your own wound care. And then you might have up to 60 residents that you have to take care of at any given time. And I got a little burned out from um, long-term care, really because the management team was not supportive. I was a brand new nurse and I had, I did with a little bullying at that job. And a friend of mine worked for a home health company and she said, hey, I know you like to teach people things and you like to be like one-on-one with your patients. We have a position open. Why don't you just come and do this PRN? My first initial thought was, heck no, because I'm scared of dogs and I don't want to go into anybody's house that has a dog and I don't want to be bitten. So, but I loved it. I loved home health. I was able to be out there with my patients. I was able to teach them a lot of things. I was, you know, out there on my own. So I got my skills. I was very confident in my skills when I left home health because you're out there in the house by yourself. You don't have another nurse to say, hey, can you come and check on this? Or, hey, can you do this? So we did everything from IVs to wound care, patient teaching. And then I was also got to coordinate their care with their physician, um, with their whole um healthcare team. So their physician, their therapist, their social worker, I got to coordinate all that care. So I really, really enjoyed home health. Um, and then I took a little time off from nursing because I didn't know if I still want to be a nurse. Well, when I decided I wanted to go back into nursing, um, I knew I wasn't going to go back to the bedside. Like I knew that's not what I was going to do. In my home health position, my boss actually created a position that was specifically for me. So it was like a quality assurance um, type position. And so when I went in to look for a job, I was looking for um, nursing homes because I just love nursing homes. It's just what I like. Um, I was looking for nursing homes that needed like quality assurance. And so they had a staff development. They had a unit manager position. I got in the unit manager position. But of course, me being me and nurses, you guys know if there's something that you're good at, no matter what job you go to, you're going to do that. And so I was creating programs. I was creating report sheets. I was creating all this education. My boss was like, why don't you just be our staff development nurse? Because that's what you're doing anyway. And so I did that. And that was in 2018, 2019. They asked me to take over infection control. So I did infection control slash that staff development. And then COVID hit in 2020. So infection control was like my main job. So I've always liked to teach. I've always liked to educate. I've always liked to create things. And so I just I just have been blessed in my nursing career to be, be able. I'm the type of person that. Um, I can, if I see something's wrong, I'm going to fix it. I'm going to like look at all the research and then I'm going to present it to my boss. And fortunately, because I've had bosses who either just didn't want to deal with it themselves or they saw something in me, they were able to let me like kind of 
take on these positions and create these roles for me. Yeah, you seem like you'd be right there perfect for like quality, quality assurance and definitely the, the, the developmental uh, aspect of it as well. Did you start to get into anything, um, anything like on the side of nursing? So yeah, freelance writing. I've always liked to write ever since I was a little girl. That's always been something I like. I never thought that being a writer was an option for me um, just because people say, well, you go to school and why are you going to go to school to be a writer? Like you can't make any money doing that. So I didn't think that was an option for me. I never knew anyone who was a writer. But when I was home health, what I did was I realized a lot of my patients didn't understand the material that we had. So I rewrote it. So I, I rewrote it so they can understand it. And we were able to decrease their um, readmission rates to the hospital. And so I just started wondering, can nurses make money doing this? Is this something that nurses can make money doing? I was tired of working a full-time nurse a job and a PRN. I was tired of missing out on my son's football games and baseball games and basketball games. And so I reached out to a brand and I said, hey, I'm a nurse and I really like what you guys are doing for nurses. You guys um, hire nurses as writers. And they said, well, we'll give you a test piece and we'll see what you do. And I wrote the test piece and I blew it out the park. And then they offered me like a contract position as a freelance writer for their brand. It was a really big nursing brand. That was my first ever job as a freelance writer and I loved it and I just kept hustling that freelance writing um side gig and so I built it up to, to what it is today as a content agency. I love how you took this unique role in your nursing career where you didn't just go to bedside and did like the typical thing that everybody does so uh, kudos to you and I just wanted to take a step back from freelance writing and maybe talk about a little bit about uh, the barriers that you've seen in home health and maybe your infection control nursing home um, area. And I think you already mentioned one, which was uh, the language barrier to break down writing correct and make it easily digestible for uh, for literacy, for uh, patients to read, right? Yeah, I noticed that in, in the area that I um, worked in, very low poverty rate. And so the literacy rate was not... Um, it wasn't, you know, a nurse's level. And anyway, in the United States, I think the average person reads on like a seventh or eighth grade level anyway. So um, I just noticed that. And I, well, that's one of the barriers that I noticed. Another barrier was um, poverty. So not being able to afford their medications, um, not understanding how to call the doctor to set up an appointment, or if they had a question, they were afraid to ask the doctor, or maybe they didn't know the right words to say to ask the doctor. And then lots of times that they were communicating with their physician or the therapist, or whoever they were communicating with, they didn't understand what they were saying. But a lot of times patients are um, ashamed to say, well, I don't understand that. But I think as nurses, we can kind of pick up on that. You can look at someone and say, okay, he or she doesn't really understand what the physician just said. And so as nurses, I think it's just second nature to us to say, hey, did you understand what he was saying? Well, basically this is what he or she was saying. And we break it down. So I think all nurses have that ability just because that's just something that we do. We don't even think that we do it. Mm. Is there like a favorite type of writing that you like doing? I enjoy... I started out doing a lot of nursing related um, content. So anything that affects nurses, I still enjoy that. Um, my team, we still do a lot of pieces on that. But I've been recently, we've been diving more into health equity and increasing access to care. And so I've been really deep, re deep diving into researching that. And so that's going to be the pivot that I take personally, that I take 
um, when I continue to write for brands is health equity and just increasing access to care. That's something I'm very, very passionate about. In addition to being a nurse, I also have a degree in healthcare administration and my focus in there was health equity. So that's something I'm very passionate about. And then do you have your own agency or do you still work for the, the, that one agency that you started with? So, no, I have my own agency. It's called the PW Agency, and we create um, content for nursing and health brands. And then we also have a brand called the Healthcare Influencer Network, where we match, basically like a matchmaker service. So we match um, licensed healthcare professionals with health brands, but the brands that we work with, they're brands that align with our missions of increasing health equity, diversity, and access to care. And what is health equity? So for me, health equity is when... Someone, so basically the layman's term of health equity is meeting the people where they're at um, and giving everyone equal access to care. So um, in my community, for example, the black community, we have a lot of healthcare disparities. Um, but you know, one of the things that we have issues with is cardiac diabetes. And so having someone in a, in a facility, in a doctor's office, you know, a nurse that's out in social media to actually put that content out there so that people can understand what it says, make it accessible to them. Because we have to think, people go to the doctor's office and sometimes the physicians order medication and you're like, they this person can't afford that medication um, or they don't give them access to community programs. So there are a lot of community programs that can help people with like getting their medication. There are programs for like diabetics. There are programs for people who have cardiac issues. But we as healthcare professionals, we have to give them access to that. We just can't assume that they have that. So our our goal or what we should be doing as healthcare professionals, whether you're a nurse, a physician, a therapist, a medical social worker, we should be encouraging, we should be giving them access to all levels of care and not just, a lot of times we say, well, they're just, he or she's just non-compliant. And we're not looking at, well, the reason they haven't taken their medicine is because they can't afford their medication. So as a medical social worker, what can I do? There are programs in the community that I can put them with so they can get their medication. Or the reason that he or she hasn't been to see the physician in a year is because they don't have a vehicle. They don't have a way to go to the doctor. And in a lot of rural communities, like most big cities have like senior community things. So like a bus might come around, pick all the senior people up and take them to their doctor's offices. But in small rural areas, a lot of times you don't have those type of things. And so what we try to do is we try to work with like physicians, social workers to say, okay, this is in your community. And a bus can come and pick her up and take her to her doctor's office or, you know, a medical transportation um, service can come and pick her up. And insurance will pay for it for her to get to the doctor's office. But that's something we have to let them know. Yeah, it's crazy because I used to work in um, in Oakland back and I used to work in Chicago and our and our primary population that we took care of was was uh, black poor people. And like in the beginning, like we're coming off as a new grad, like um, you don't really know what the struggles are. Uh, with, with different, you know, social economic class and different people. So I always thought that the main issue is, is going to be cost of medication. But what I, what I learned over time is that one of the major things is, is always cost is transportation. And that's like the one thing that, that, um, that a lot of people struggle with, but that's something that we always address. And it kind of took me maybe like a year to finally realize, understand that, that hey, I, some people could afford a medication, it's just like they can't get there. So it's like you have to align their appointments specifically with when they have this availability of, of like either a bus or like a family member could, could drive them. And that was mind blowing to me because like when I was growing up, I never really had an issue of getting anywhere. So it took me a little bit to understand that, hey, transportation is, 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 is an issue for, for these people. And if and if, you know, if we could cover the cost, we still have to cover the transportation. Um, 
But one question to you is, is um, how did it feel, uh, feel like and what was the process for you starting your own business? Because you went from working at an agency, you've always been working for somebody and now you've kind of just took matters into your own hands and just started your own agency. So how was that process for you? Um, I think it was easy for me. I always knew like when I became a nurse at 22, 22 or 23, like I said, this is not, like, this is not going to be me until I retire. Like I knew I wasn't going to be a nurse until I retire. I knew I wasn't going to work with someone else until I retire. I've always kind of had that little hustle in me when I was in high school and college, I was making money, like writing papers for people. So I always knew like I had that hustle in me. And so for me, um, I didn't just jump. So I didn't just quit my job and just jump into um, being an entrepreneur. It's taken me a little over three years to get to where I am now. So my process was easy. I I trained myself how to be the best writer that I could be so that I can demand higher rates. Um, and by being the best writer, I mean that my clients, when I write for my clients, their blog posts are consistently ranking in Google. So I can demand higher rates now. Um, and then once I trained myself, I started looking for a team of other nurses. So all of my writers on my team are nurses as well. So I started looking for a, a team of nurses who also can implement the same way that I do. So um, some of them, I kind of taught them how to write the way I, I write. Some of them are already freelance writers as well. And so I built a team of um, strong, reliable people. And then social media was huge for me, um, getting my name out there, getting my brand out there, you know, doing things like podcasts like this. Um, every time I write, I demand a byline. So a byline is where your name is actually attached. So the, the brand doesn't put like, you know, their team or their name, like my name stays attached because I write this. And what happens is every time my name is on something and it pops up in Google, it just like makes my personal um, SEO, which is um, search engine optimization. That's how people or uh, websites land in Google. It makes my personal SEO boost. So social media was good for me. And then just being reliable, um, making sure my clients got what they needed on time, making sure that if, if I happen to be late, that I communicate with them and just, you know, being being respectful of people and just being nice to people. Um, that's helped me a lot. Just, you know, reaching out to people, being nice to people. Um, doing things for people without expecting anything in return. And so, you know, maybe I did something for you two years ago and I reach out to you and say, hey, I'm writing an article. Do you want to interview? You say, yeah, that helped me out a lot as well. I also um, did invest in a business coach. That's something that I invested in because I wanted to take my brand to the next level. So me investing in a business coach helped me out a lot. For the for the coaching, is that like a coach for a writer or, or what are you coaching exactly? So he, my business coach is a coach for, um, he actually coaches people who have marketing agencies. And so for me, I wanted someone like, my goal is to be a millionaire. My business coach has a seven figure agency. Um, and so he got to where I, he is where I wanted to be. And so I reached out to him because I needed help with, with systems. I needed help with knowing how to manage a team. I need a little bit of help with marketing. And so me just investing in him, just investing in him business processes and how to be the best business owner that I can be. I still kind of had that, um, that nurse employee mindset, you know, nurses, we have to ask for permission for everything. To even give a Tylenol, you have to have an order from a doctor or at least a standing order for a physician. And so I had an issue. I had a mindset issue with like, I had to ask for permission. Like, is this okay for me to do this when I should have just known it was okay? So investing in someone who was up here and I feel like I was down here, it helped me, it helped me out tremendously. What do you think are the biggest barriers to bridge that gap between a 
practicing nurse and a business owner. I, you just mentioned one thing, which was the mindset gap of not asking for permission. Is there anything else that stands out to you? Um, another thing that I see a lot of nurses do is they think they have to have a business that's in nursing or healthcare, but you don't. And I always tell them, think about all these people who are in health tech, all these people who have all these medical healthcare, nursing related businesses. Most of the time they have no medical background, but they're running multi-million dollar companies and you as a nurse, you're running those companies for them. So you don't have to, if you don't want to do a nursing, you know, you don't have to do anything in nursing. Also be, think outside the box. One of my good friends is a nurse. She was one of the first medical cannabis consultants that there is. And she created a whole business around medical cannabis consulting. Um, and just think outside the box. If there's something that you're good at crafting. A lot of nurses are really good at crafting. If there's something that you feel like that you're really good at, it doesn't necessarily have to be nursing. And then I think another barrier is you have to invest in your business. It takes money to make money. I know we've all heard that. So you have to, just like you invest in going to school and getting certifications and, you know, getting what I call the alphabet suit behind your name. When it comes to running a business, you have to invest in your business as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, people don't, or nurses don't understand that nursing school and being a nurse really kind of shapes you in like a almost like a problem solving kind of way because as a nurse you're always trying to fix something like hey I'm in pain okay we gotta do this hey patient you know has changed neural status okay what's going on like it, it primes you primes you to basically become anything you you really want to be because you almost thrive in a, in a diversity so what are some uh, yeah. tips you can offer to uh to nurses that are maybe thinking about starting their own business or just starting something that's not bedside um, figure out exactly what it is that you want to do, um, but it needs to be something that there's a demand for. So I think the easiest thing is to look at your, your community and see what it is that your community may need. So I know a lot of nurses realized that their community was, they needed more um, CNAs and there wasn't any CNA schools close, like the closest CNA school may be an hour or two hours away. So I know a nurse who started her own CNA school. I know a nurse who has an LPN school. She's getting ready to do an RN school because that was needed in her area. So think about the things that you need in your area. Um, I think another thing would be is um, mentor, finding a mentor. But it needs to be someone who has already done what you're trying to do. Um, I feel like you have to have people there in your network. They're on the same level as you who are a level above you, who are three levels above you. And then you need people who, I don't want to say they're under you, but you need people who look up to you because that gives you motivation. And so everyone that I've surrounded myself with, like they blow my mind the things that they've done. And I only look at them for motivation and I can reach out to them and say, hey, you know, I had this idea. Can you help me? So um, your network, your network is your net worth. That's what one of my business mentors told me. Your network is your net worth. So um, get a good network. Um, and then just do it. Like a lot of nurses, we think we have a great idea. And then a year later, we're still sitting on our idea. And then some other company, some tech guy has created the idea that you have. Now they have like a million dollar brand. So just go out and do it. Nurses are so creative. You're innovative every day at work. Think of the things that you do for your patients that no other profession will be able to do. And as a nurse, we're innovative. And we also know the things that people need, patients need. So being a nurse, it does, even though nursing school doesn't prepare you, like give you a business mindset, the things that you learn as a nurse 
will definitely like time management, how to talk to people, you know, how to um, react when something in the pan when you're in a panic. So things like that will definitely help you with business. That's a very good point. It's like that analysis paralysis too, when you're just saying, just go do it because uh, you already have the tools that you really have. And um, sometimes when you take action, you're you already have your intuition and downloads all this information, not just the rational mind and just kind of, it'll give you the next steps on what to do things. Yeah. yeah. I kind of wanted to take a step back and talk about writing. Uh, Peter and I actually, we had a blog back in like 2017 and we always kind of sat down in Starbucks and just cranked out articles. Um, but we were never like super effective writers because of our language barrier for one. So what are like some tips you can give out to somebody maybe that's passionate about writing or maybe wants to uh, take the route that you're taking and being like a nurse freelancer. What are some effective ways to be a efficient writer? Um, the first thing is that everything that the way you learn how to write in college or high school is not going to work. And yeah, it's not going to work in blog writing because and a lot of nurses struggle with that. A lot of nurses struggle with that. I've noticed that in my course, a lot of nurses struggle with that. You have to write in a what we call a conversational tone. So again, that going back to that, the average person, at least in the United States, reads on the seventh to eighth grade level. And so you have to be able to speak the language that the audience is speaking, um, write in a conversational tone. So all that scholarly writing, academic writing, that's not going to cut it if you're trying to write blog posts um, for brands. And I'm, I keep saying blog posts because that's the easiest way to get into writing. It's you know, very easy to learn how to write a blog post. And you can make a lot of money writing blog posts because, you know, people are there. You know, we're a microwave society. People want to read something quick and fast. Um, that's a good way. The next thing is to figure out what your niche is going to be. So if and the easiest way to do that is if you want to do healthcare nursing, what is your specialty right now? What is your nursing specialty? What is something that you know that, you, that the average person doesn't know that you can teach them a lot about that you can actually sit down and write about? So when a lot of nurses come to me and they say, well, I don't know what I want to write about or I'm thinking, well, what's your specialty? Well, you know, I'm an L&D nurse. Oh, my gosh. There's women health magazines. There's parent magazines. There's, you know. Um, L&D um, platforms. There are so many platforms that you can write for. And if you come to them and say, hey, I'm a nurse. I have three years experience as a labor and delivery nurse. I'll, I'm a writer as well. Would you like for me to write blog posts for your audience? You being a nurse is going to open up those doors for you. And so I think those are the biggest the biggest tips that I can give is understanding what your niche is going to be. Um, and don't have six or seven, start off with one, maybe two, and narrow that down. And then and invest in learning how to write, invest in learning how to write. Because like I said, the way we learned in, in nursing school or college, the way you learn your English courses is not right unless you want to write for like academic journals or medical journals or something like that. Do you have some recommended uh, resources for us to look at or for anybody out there that's uh going to cultivate that writing style or teaching you how to write properly for these brands and for the 21st century? Well, of course, I'm going to I'm going to sit here and um, pitch my my workshop. We have, I have a workshop called Bankable Blogs, called the Bankable. You can find it at bankableblogs.com, Bankable Blogs Workshop. It's a two hour live workshop where we actually sit down and we go through how to write a blog post that converts really well. It's the way that I learned how to write blog posts. 
And the pieces that I have written have been on the first page of Google. They're number one in Google. They've been read and shared, I think, now over a million times. So um, it's the exact same way that I learned. Also, if you follow me on Instagram at The Right Nurse, I put tons of content tips on that Instagram page. And then we have a Facebook group, Nurses Who Write, and we put ton, tons of tips inside of there that as well. And, the, and, you know, those are free tips that you guys can get at any time. For your writing agency, um, if somebody is like out there trying to, you know, need that has some needs for some blog posts, do you expect them to come in with some ideas or do you kind of go on their site and kind of cipher through the information and see what they need? How, how does that approach work? It works both ways. Um, we have some clients that come to us and they ask us to pitch ideas. And so my team will pitch ideas and we'll shoot them to the client and client and tell us, yeah, that'll work or no, that won't work. And then we have some clients who already have an idea of the topics that they want. They just give us the topics and we do like a lot of keyword um, research and things like that. And then we produce the content for them. So it works both ways. It's about 50-50 for us. Mm. And then do you all do any like, for example, SEO optimization? So somebody already has a page and all they want is just to you know trend high on Google, do you guys offer that as well? We do. So we do. Um, so when you're writing blog posts, it's called on-page SEO. So we do keyword research. The way we format the pieces are really good. Um, some of our clients we offer with um, a meta description. So meta description is like if you're Google something and usually like the title of the page, and then you see like a little five or six lines under that on the Google um, homepage, that's the meta description. So we do that for our clients as well. And then we do offer like in-depth um, back page or off-page SEO. And that's actually where like you go into like the back end of their website and then my team builds it. So that's like, that's really techie. Um, but most of our clients, so right now we work with like a lot of corporations. We don't really work with small businesses anymore. Most of our clients are corporations. So they already have a team for that. We just write our blog posts, follow SEO guidelines and give it to them. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I know the new year is just, um, we have a new year in 2022, and I'm sure you're inspired by evaluating yourself from previous years and kind of ready to take on this year. Do you have any like specific goals in mind for your brand or for yourself that you're trying to achieve this year? Um, yeah, I want to put myself back out there. When I first started branding myself, I was like the forefront. I was the face. I did a lot of podcasts and webinars and things. The last two years, I've kind of been behind the scene. I really don't write as much. So this year, I'm going to get back into writing more, doing things like this, putting myself out there. And then the Healthcare Influence Network, that is my baby. Um, I am. That's going to be like the biggest health tech company ever for healthcare professionals. So if you're a licensed healthcare professional, please make sure you register for the Healthcare Influence Network, completely free for healthcare professionals. But our goal is, you know, we don't want to be a, a network where our influencer, influencers are just promoting like scrubs or stethoscopes. Our influencers are promoting health equity and access to care. So we're working with brands that are going to help people increase access to care. So that's my goal. That's my mission is to increase health equity this year and help other licensed healthcare like sorry help other licensed healthcare professionals actually get paid to create that content because if you think about it, a lot of nurses doctors therapists we create educational content on social media all the time and you're already doing it why not work with a brand that can want to propel your brand and also compensate you for what you're already doing because more people are turning to social media for their health education. And who better to do it than a healthcare professional, you know, someone who has a license, who's credentialed to actually be out there teaching people what they need to know. Mm-hmm. Portia, it seems like you're, you're very, uh, very productive and super busy. How do you manage all your time? <laughs> I am super 
busy. And I also have a, a son who who is in like three sports and he's a musician and everything else too. I just think I'm just, I'm just focused right now. Like me actually hiring a team um, has helped me tremendously because I don't write as much as I used to. So that's helping me tremendously. And then I just try to set like um, blocks of time. So like my calendar is full. I keep my phone on me all the time. So I have to have everything written down. I have an assistant who's a nurse as well. As you guys can tell, I like giving nurses jobs. <laughs> She's a nurse as well. And she keeps me on my toes. And I'm just like really focused. And if I don't want to do something, I don't do it. I think being a nurse, you're all, you know, we have that mindset of, oh, I don't want to go to work today. But if I don't go to work, then they're going to be short and then I'm going to feel guilty. I'm past that mindset. Like, I don't think I have like a nurse's mindset. I do have a nurse's mindset when it comes to helping people. But as far as everything else, I don't. If I don't want to do it, if it's going to cause me stress, then I'm just not going to do it. And that's it. And it'll be OK. We still have tomorrow to get it figured out. Yeah, a lot of nurses definitely do that, like that self-sabotage thing where they put in those extra hours at work. They work five nights a week instead of their standard three because they always feel that guilt, like, I should come in. I'm a nurse. This is what I was this is what I was made to. This is what I went to school for. And, you know, they, they self-sabotage on, uh, like, in the long run. But you clearly have a, a really good understanding of yourself and your priorities, and you're not, you don't fall into that trap. Um, I think I do. I think also being a mother has helped me because my son is like my priority. And so now that I have the freedom to say, I don't have to ask my boss if I can be off to go to my son's game. So um, to me, that's the biggest thing. So if, if it's anything going to negatively impact him, then I don't do it. It was going to affect my time spending with him. I don't do it because he'll be out of the house before I know it. And these are the moments that count. And I just, you know, um, that's just how I live now. Like I, you know, I do things, um, this best for me and, and for my family. You are very aligned, which is which is important. A lot of people don't know their wants and needs in in a sense, and they just just like you mentioned, guys, just self sabotaging and then not being aligned with that, and then be like, damn, I didn't really want to do that. They didn't really want to work those five shifts, and they just feel guilty because they did it for the people pleasing abilities or whatever the case was or even like the fear of missing out like when your friends go out and you know you should probably stay in because you just worked five in a row but you don't want to miss out on some opportunities or whatever you have to like really really be, be dialed in and understand that like i know i want to do this this and that but it's like i don't have time for all that so let me just pick what i actually want to do how do you find time for yourself and when you do uh what do you uh what do you enjoy doing so I have a schedule, just like I was when I was a nurse. I have my hours of operation. Tend to take half Fridays off. So by 11 a.m., I'm typically off on Fridays. And then I just shut everything off. I'm not answering your emails. If my team slacks me, I'm not answering your Slack unless it's like super important. Um, the weekends are for me, for my son, spend time with my grandmother, spend time with my siblings. You know, I love to eat. You know, I'm a foodie. I love to go out and eat, but I really enjoy just sitting at home, binge watching Law & Order SVU. I just sit at home every day and binge watch Law & Order. I love to do that. Um, and that's just something that I like to do. And, you know, I like to just be a little lazy around the house. I am um, this year. I'm going to learn how to speak Spanish. So that's a personal goal of mine is to learn how to speak Spanish. Um, that's something that I've been wanting to do for a long time. And so I, I still, I really believe in personal development. So me learning how to speak Spanish is going to be personal development. Um, I'm also looking at master's degree programs to see what I want to do. Um, I want to do something in health equity. So that's something else. I love to learn. I think that's just the writer in me. 
And so anything that I can do that I want to learn, I'm going to do that. But if Spartans is shutting off my mind, like Friday through Sunday is my family time. Sunday, I don't leave my house for anything. Like I'm not going grocery shopping. I'm not doing anything. I'm sitting in my house. And I'm binge watching Law Order HBU. And that's just how, <laughs> that's how my week goes. And of course, you know, I, I love sporting events because my son is, is an athlete. So anytime we get to go to, he keeps me busy year round between baseball, football, and basketball. But anytime he has a three weeks or so off, then we get to go to like sporting events. We like to do that. And we love Marvel. So we love Marvel comics as well. So we get to go um, binge watch, you know, whatever whatever's on Disney Plus for Marvel comics. So we like that. Yeah, that's awesome. Like I remember growing up, uh, like living back at home, I, c- I could never figure out like, why do my parents always hang out at home during the weekends? Why do they always just like do nothing when they have time off? And then once I started getting older, started get, getting busier, I'm just like, damn, doing nothing sounds fun as hell, you know, because yeah. we, we all get so busy. Yes. It took me so long it to, to mm-hmm. it took me so long to understand that that like the beauty of doing nothing is actually like you just having a moment and time to to relax, especially in like nursing and what me and Matt do with this podcast and all the other stuff, where it feels nice to just sit down and just like not do anything for a little bit. Sometimes I would rather just sit at home, do nothing, than go outside and like do some activity because you yeah. just you just you just get tired and you know life gets busy. So sometimes you just you just want to kind of just settle down and just, just be recharge. Yeah, recharge almost be numb for this, just that day. Yeah, it, it definitely. And I think more nurses should do that. Even if you're not like, even, even if you don't want to have your own own business, if you just, you know, if you're going to work as a nurse, just take some time for yourself. You know, nurses are going through so much right now, so much right now. And I just, just take, you know, some time for yourself and it, it can make a big difference. And, you know, just shutting off your mind and you're just saying today is for me. I like my son knows that like, you know, Sunday is for me. Don't ask mom to take you anywhere. We're not going anywhere. You're going to get in the kitchen, fix a sandwich. I'm not, you know, we're not doing anything. Today's just for me. Oh, yeah. Amazing. And I know your current obsession is building your network for 2022. So I just want to take a step back and talk about uh, health education and disseminating health education, how social media plays that important role. Uh, and I like how you also mentioned um, the way nursing influencers are, where they're just kind of like promoting a product because, you know, that's... It's that's, an easy route to go. It's an easy route to make some quick cash, but there's this long-term game that you could play and you could uh, provide proper education for for different brands for yourself as an influencer and educating the public, educating the public all with that. Um, yeah. So I've, I've been doing some research on like health equity, the impacts of social media on health outcomes and the research is there that lots, especially since COVID, because you know, everyone's at home, you couldn't go out. A lot of people have turned to social media for like health education. They're even turned to social media to, to decide what position or what nurse, uh, Sorry, let me change that. What provider? Because all providers are not physicians. You know, you have nurse practitioners, you have PAs. So what provider um, they should go to? And so what I've noticed, um, a lot of nurses, even the ones who are promoting like the scrubs or the stethoscopes, when I look, and not only nurses, we work with like all licensed healthcare professionals. So what I've noticed is that a lot of them, even if they're promoting like a scrub brand or a stethoscope or a shoe brand, also on their page, they're promoting a lot of that. Like they're doing a lot of health education. They're telling you, like, during, uh, for example, during during Breast Cancer Awareness Month, I saw so many nurses showing women how to do self breast exams. And why not partner with a brand 
that already, you know, that's their audience. They're working with women, you know, um, maybe an oncology center or something like that. Why not partner with that brand and say, hey, I'm a nurse. I'm really passionate about women's health. I'm really passionate about, you know, letting women know about breast cancer awareness. I can create content for you. And then, you know, you get on your your Instagram, your TikTok or whatever, and you show a woman how to do a self-breast exam. So you're showing them how to do that, but you're also getting paid from that company. And that company is also getting really good content because you have to think a lot of people are giving health education on social media and they have no business doing it because they have no medical background, no nursing background, no healthcare background. And a lot of times the information is incorrect information. And a lot of these people are influencers who are doing these things and they have 30,000 people that are following them and they're putting out the wrong content. But as a nurse, as a physician, as a therapist, you actually, one, you're not going to put out any content that's incorrect because they're going to take your license from you. And then two, we already do that every day. So why not do it? And I think that working with healthcare professionals is the way that health and nursing brands need to go because we are the ones, especially nurses, again, this year again, they nominated us, they voted us as the most honest or trusted profession. So why not, you know, work with the nurse to do that? Um, and that's what I'm passionate about. So many nurses um, come to me and say, you know, I love what you're doing. And then also a lot of times brands don't understand that follower count doesn't, you know, that's not quality. Some, you know, a lot of people pay for their followers. Um, and then sometimes you don't want those people representing your brand. And so I think there are some nurses who only have 2,500 followers, but gosh, they're putting out some great content. If only they could have you know, a brand behind them to help them. And so, you know, that's how we're going to increase access to care through social media is us as healthcare professionals partnering up with brands who align with our mission and getting our content out there. That's powerful. And I, and I, and just like you said, it's important more than ever because we have like wishy-washy content and we can make it more powerful, especially from a nurse that already has a background in, you know, science and education and being a patient advocate, and we could definitely make a change in healthcare uh, for the better by using what we already have, just like you mentioned, and just putting it out there into the world. Um, and, it, and it's been an interesting year for us because I feel like a lot of content from the nursing community has been more of uh, this victim mentality, which is nothing wrong, but we had a pandemic, but it was more just about, oh my God, I feel so oppressed by healthcare and everything happening. So we just need to kind of turn the table for 2022 and just feel empowered and know that we could bring change. You know, we feel like we can't bring change in healthcare. Sometimes we feel a little bit disempowered with management and everything, but we could definitely uh, take a spin into social media and make long lasting change. That's going to empower ourselves and the people that are listening on the other side. Yeah. I, f I feel like the reason why uh, nurses feel like they can't make a change is because uh for years and years, nurses, what, what we basically do is we consistently take orders mm -hmm. from people. So it's like we almost ex expect people, other people to like tell us almost what to do. And that kind of um, floods into a, the work outside of the hospital. Like you're saying for you, like you were so used to just taking orders from, from people and you were kind of tired of that and decided to do, do your own thing. I feel like that's why it's, it's tough for nurses to all kind of band together and make, and make a stand uh, fully together is because of of constantly at work, we're just usually taking orders. Nothing yeah. really is asked of us, to, like what do we think of this patient? Like what, what do you think we should do for them? No one really asks us 
Like physicians rarely ask us for any kind of guidance or, or for help. Even when we offer it, we get shut down too and we get discouraged and we get pushed down because, you know, we just have bachelors and we're RNs and then a physician has, you know, they went to school for this much. They have a PhD or whatever, doctorate degree. And, and over time, you know, that gets almost like placed into our genes where it's like we, we can't make a change because somebody above us has to be the one to make a change. We can only reinforce it. And that's, I think, one of the, one of the factors that, that why it's so hard for nurses to like push for these mandated ratios nationwide, not just California, and you know, more, more union-based work, not just California. Like it's, it's, it was always, the problem management always says is the cost is the cost is the cost. But like we've seen in California, like they managed to do it and we see how nursing care is in California compared to what it was here in, in Texas and, and even the way it was in, in Illinois. It's, it's, a, it's yeah. different, it's completely different. And we could all attest that, or me and you, cause you haven't been to California nursing, but we could attest that, that I was a lot more satisfied working in California in a union hospital with, with state man ratios versus working here and in, in Illinois. And, and you felt like you provided better care because you just had more time to do certain things and you kind of knew what was expected of you. Yeah. And so hopefully we can slowly start to realize that, that you know, nurses uh, in like a cohesive environment together, we're very powerful. There's over a million of us, like we're the biggest, um, you could say field in the whole healthcare field, you could say the biggest, um, the most staffed people. And you know, we have a lot of power. It's just, it's just the fact that the role we play in a hospital we don't have a lot of power there, but that does not mean we can't transition that to like changing legislature or just changing the work environment, you know? Yeah. yeah. And there are some nurses who are doing some amazing things. So we are using, um, we are using social media. And like you said, I don't, I don't necessarily say we can, we're complaining, but I think that nurses are starting to hold these organizations more accountable and our nursing associations, that can be a whole nother, you know, podcast, you know, holding nursing associations accountable to nurses. Like, and there are nurses who are using their platform to call out these associations, to call out, you know, inequities in nursing, to say we need more diversity in nursing from, you know, the ground level all the way up to education. So I think, you know, as we see 2022, I read somewhere that like by the end of 2022, 500,000 nurses are supposed to leave the bedside. That is a lot of nurses. And if these companies don't start doing something about it, then we're not, who's going to take care of the people? They say they don't want to, we can't increase because of the pay. We can't mandate ratios because it costs too much. Well, how much is it going to cost you if 500,000 nurses leave, you know, leave the bedside? So that's another one of our initiatives with the Healthcare Influencer Network is to um, get more nurses into nursing, using the nurses that we that are influencers. There are some nurses who are really powerful influencers, like uh, Sarah, she's a really powerful one. Um, Abby, she's doing really good things as well. And so working with nurses like them to hopefully, you know, change, you know, some of the things that are going on, um, doing what, what we call pipeline programs. So, you know, medical schools have pipeline programs where they work with kids from like middle school all the way up to the time they graduate. We need more of that in nursing where we work with, and I think community colleges will be really good for that. And that also will help increase the diversity um, in nursing because nurses, nursing industry is not diverse at all. And it needs to be more diverse. And on the way, that's another way we can increase health access and increase health equity is to get more people who look like the people that they're taking care of. Mm -hmm. 100%. 100%. Yeah, because even in, in, when we're in Chicago, I'm taking back, you said the whole diversity, uh, whole diversity, diversity thing is our, most of our patients where I was in Oakland, uh, they're black, but maybe I want to say five percent on the nurses on the unit or or black even like like in general the staff there you know wasn't what was was majority white so that, that makes sense i never really thought about it that way like having you know 
um, getting taken care of by a person that's like the same color as you or, or same ethnicity or, or same background, and that, that'll play a different role in care because, yeah, you know, you're black, I'm white, we, we're, from different, we're from different cultures, right? So I do things a little bit different than, than you do, and I'm sure, I'm sure a lot of people would appreciate the same culture taking care of them. So there's not any kind of misunderstandings or any kind of miscommunication because you, under, you understand black people better than I do, you know? It, it is what it is. It's just like a like a woman might prefer a woman physician to take care of her. You know, there's just certain and then, you know, language barriers as well. You know, uh, I'm, I'm sure in California, there are a lot of Spanish speaking population. And so, you know, having language, someone who understands your language, not just culture, but your language as well. You know, it just helps increase. And there's tons of research on that, too. It just helps increase health equity. But the only way we're going to do that is if we increase diversity in nursing, because I feel like nurses are the ground level of healthcare. Like without nurses, healthcare doesn't move. And that's just a fact. Right. Yeah. Like I remember one time I was a new grad and I was going to get ready to like wash a black lady's hair. And she looked at it like I'm crazy. I'm like, or she said she got like a weave or something. And I, and I didn't know what that was at that, that time. And she's like, why wash my hair? My hair is fake, you know? Like she had to explain that whole thing to me because, you know, I wasn't used to like, you know, women having having fake hair and then, you know, she, you know, she had it. So it's like one of those culture things. Like if there was like, you know, a black nurse taking care of her, they would have already kind of know uh, the, the, the difference. So it's like little things like that, you know, they, they make a difference and they make you feel more at home when you're in a, a really bad place in the hospital, you know? I, yeah. I could definitely attest for that. You know, we're we're from the Polish background, so even having a patient that was uh, Polish, all of mm -hmm. a sudden, like just their eyes glared up and they smiled mm -hmm. because they already had some kind of connection. It was already relatable to take care of them, and they right. kind of knew that, hey, maybe my sh the shift is going to be better because there's somebody that understands mm -hmm. me. So we definitely need to definitely. bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, I think that that's where I hope, you know, we take nursing. I see a lot of nurses trying to do that and they're using their social media platforms for that. And I think, um, you know, that's just the way nurses, we're leaders. So I, I hope to see more of that. And and like I said, Healthcare Influencer Network, we're, we're going to be a huge tech company. You guys mark my words. Uh, I put that out there in the atmosphere so you guys can hold me accountable. So, um, you know, I just want to, you know, help not only nurses, but if you're any type of licensed healthcare professional and you want to join us, please join us. Um, we have a Instagram healthcare influencer network is our Instagram as well. So you can follow us there. And I was just going to ask Portia, or where can people find you? So any other uh, plugins you want to give uh, to the fans and everybody listening? Um, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at the right nurse. That's W R I T E because I'm a writer, the right nurse. Um, and then if you want, if you're a nurse and you're interested in learning how to be become a freelance writer, you can follow that um, Instagram page as well. And, or you can join our um, Facebook group. It's called Nurses Who Write on Facebook. It's specifically exclusively for nurses. No one else is allowed in that group. And if you're a healthcare professional or you're a brand and you want to work with healthcare professionals to increase health equity, please follow us at Healthcare Influencer Network or you can go to healthcareinfluencernetwork.com. Awesome. Thank you so much, Portia, for your time. Really great, really great talking Thank to you. you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Okay. Thank you.